This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, on a Monday, John Hamm. John, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I guess life's all right. Happy MLK Day. Are you working today? I am. Okay, me too. Yeah. Yep, I am. Well, that's all right. Uh, yeah, so, it's fine. So today, uh, we are going to do a Reddit mailbag, something we've never done before. We've recently kind of joined the uh, Reddit Thunder community and are going to be uh, putting our podcast there and answering questions there. So if you enjoy Reddit and are on the Thunder Reddit page, uh, join us because we have some good questions today from a bunch of different uh, posters. Uh and we'll start with one from Sal- Salik. I don't know if that's how you say it. I'm sorry, Salik, if that's wrong. How could the front office and coaching staff approach Russ to convince him to stop taking the amount of ineffective pull-up threes that he does? Is there any way to change some of the unsavory defensive habits that he has, or are we stuck with them? I guess I have a bit of an issue with, are we stuck with them? Um, This is the Russ experience. I mean, we're in year nine of it now. Um, The only thing that's going to stop it, I think, is age. I mean, like physically where you can't do some of these things anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, this is this is the quandary with or the, the dilemma with Russ is, I mean, the same things that fuel him to be a great basketball player also fuel him to do questionable things. So. Um, if he could clean those things up, he would be a better player than LeBron James. Right. But <laughs> he's just, he's just not, you, you just, at a certain point, you got to accept there's some of these things that he's going to do. Yeah. And he's, he's always had this kind of tunnel vision. I thought last year he kind of reined a lot of that in, but this season, like, I just don't know what we expect him to do. I think that he is doing a pretty good job of trusting his teammates uh, there are times where he could do a better job of that, sure. Like but, later later in the games. Yeah, I mean, like, typically it's the late games, and sometimes it's worked out. I mean, yeah, I don't think we would have wanted him to trust his teammates in that Boston game on the road. Uh, <laughs> right. Because he, he absolutely put them away. And he's going to have games where he's not able to do that, and it's frustrating. But this, first of all, this team is pretty – it's a limited – and then also Russ with the mistakes he makes. I mean, there there were, are going to be more games like the Timberwolves game ahead, which is frustrating to watch uh, as a fan. But uh, you're also you don't want to eliminate those because if you eliminate those, then you also eliminate like these like you know historic crazy Russ things that happen. And if you ask him to dial it back, I'm not sure how good this team is. Right. And I mean, I agree. There are times, I mean, we've talked about the, the late three point attempt in Houston 
even though he was feeling it that game, that was sure. not the best shot. No. But, <laughs> you know, if that goes into which there, you know, there's been other opportunities this season where he's taken threes that have put the thunder either tied it or, you know, put them in the lead. Um, you know, it's sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't know. I I've gotten to the point to where, yeah, sure. I, I would love to see him do a little bit more on the defensive end. Um, I, I occasionally when he gets blown by like Ricky Ro- Rubio over and over, I'm like, you know, what in the world's going on here. But I also, I mean, I mean the, the NBA season is just such a long drag too. I mean, there's going to be bad games and there's going to be games where he can do that and get away with it. So I, I don't know. I've gotten to the point to where I kind of stopped nitpicking a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. He's like probably the third or fourth best player in the world. And still like a heavy conversation with him is, well, he needs to be better, you know? Right. And I can understand that because I do think that if he did dial some of that stuff back, he could be better. Um, but he's doing an awful lot for this team this year and it's really hard. It is hard. And I'm sure that I don't, I'm sure that the coaching staff like shows him these things. Uh, but also that I think there's a difference in like being in the moment. Um, and I think they give Russ a ton of rope, which they should, because it's mm-hmm. led to a lot of really great things. But it's also, I mean, there's disaster potential with Russell Westbrook. There's like the, I don't know, there's just a lot of really great potential. And there's also potential for bad things to happen whenever he's at the helm. And more often than not, it's good things. And he's led a team that I'm not really sure how many players in the league could lead this Thunder team to the record that they have right now. Um <clears throat> There's maybe three guys in the league that can do <laughs> I, this, including yeah, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I agree with that. LeBron. Um, I don't know that James Harden would make this team as good as Russ does. I don't know that Steph Curry would. Um, I'm not going to talk about Kevin Durant because I don't think that anybody wants me to. Uh, there's just not <laughs> a lot of guys that could do that. So uh, he, he des- deserves a lot of props, but I do understand the frustrating habits that he has. But they're probably not going to go away. <laughs> probably not. I mean, again, this late in the career, um, you know, I, I, I think they're probably managing it the best they can. Yeah. Uh, hot hand player of the week. I feel like it's gotta be Ennis Cantor again. I mean, we could give it to Russ again, every week, obviously, but man, he's been on fire lately. Like as, as a score in the post, his defense last night, like he played like solid defense. Uh, mm-hmm. he's been really just exceptional, uh, over this like month stretch or so. And I don't, I th- it doesn't seem like unsustainable or anything. Um, no, he, he, uh, he's been awesome. Last seven games. I, I'm throwing out the game at Milwaukee because I want to, because I'm being selective here. <laughs> Over. <laughs> Over. But over the last seven games, which is every game since then, um, 20 points a night. 10.1 rebounds. He's averaging 20 and 10 over the past seven games. Um, it's been something. It has definitely been something to see. Yes. Uh, and the hot hand player of the week is brought to you by anchor down. Uh, they're in downtown Oklahoma city, uh, in Bricktown. Great place to go for lunch. Great place to watch the thunder game. You can watch it tonight. They play the Clippers. Uh, great place to go to grab a beer. They have corn dogs. They have hush puppies. They have pizza tots. If you haven't had a pizza tot, you haven't lived. Oh, I have had the pizza tots. They're so good. And 
I will always mention they've got a good salad too. So <laughs> if you want a good salad, go have one anchored down. Uh, great place to watch a game, like I said, and they're awesome. So go check them out. Uh, next question is from a Westbrook Baptist. <laughs> you are Sam Presti. What's the direction of the franchise? What's the two-year or five-year plan? What's the real Sam Presti's plan? Isn't the timeline of Sabonis, Abrinas, Payne's prime too late for Russ? If so, why hold on to them? Or why hold on to Russ? Seems like we need to pick one or the other. Uh, so let, let's back up at the beginning. Um, I've had this discussion a lot on the air. Um, the direction of the franchise, it's no different than it was in 2008. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the same blueprint. Young players develop them, uh, retain them if, if at all possible, um, and grow your core that way. Um, so that, I mean, that's the two year plan. That's the five year plan. That's the 10 year plan. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not changing as long as this, as this front office is here. And, you know, as much as that, you know, maybe frustrated Kevin Durant, it also led to a model where when he decided to pack up and leave that this team is still competitive. Yeah. And I think that an underrated part is that it's, it's hard to bring really good players into OKC that aren't developed right out of the draft for them or through like a trade. And, you know, a trade may be coming for OKC and it may come because they have all these young developed guys and they may be able to package, you know, pain and Sabonis or whatever for a significant piece. But I think another guy to look to, and I know LeBron won his first titles with guys that were his own age, but like look at the players that LeBron is playing right now. Like Kyrie Irving is significantly younger mm -hmm. than LeBron and is the second best player on his team. And without him, he didn't win a title last year. You can win with a mixture of young uh, and guys in their prime as long as they're like close to like their pre-primes or if they're like elite-level talents. And, and maybe the argument is that the Thunder don't have any of those elite-level talents outside of Adams or Oladipo, if you believe he's an elite-level talent. And, and that makes sense. But also, like, this, the, the roster today is not, like, set and this isn't I don't think Sam Presti's like sitting back with his you know <clears throat> feet up on the table saying well my job's done let's just watch this yeah. let's just watch this go just gotta um, watch the crops grow you know <laughs> I mean they have significant interest in guys like Jimmy Butler but like so do 29 other teams 28 other teams have significant interest in Jimmy Butler yeah uh, same with sure. Paul George they would love to get their hands on these guys um but I think Sam Presti's got to, I mean, he's got to get a guy through the draft or through a trade. And also, like, Jimmy Butler, when he was 24, wasn't this Jimmy Butler. Not even close. And so if the Thunder could find, like, a younger guy, like Chris Middleton was in a trade and turned into, like, a very, very good player uh, where he was basically like a throw-in. Um, he was a second-round pick. So I, and same with like Jay Crowder and guys like that. So there are, there are ways to get really good players. Um, and Jeremy Grant, like Jeremy Grant's 22. And I don't know that Jeremy Grant's going to be like a star or anything, but um, he's, he's a guy that I think could really develop in the Thunder system uh, and be a really good player. And maybe even, you know, a starting three or a starting four, depending on what happens with Robertson. 
but as far as like the three-year plan, I think that they they want to have other stars next to Russell Westbrook. But trying to like make that happen uh, is a lot easier said than done. And whenever you have young guys on controllable contracts, you have certainty and you have um, a staff that you know can develop uh, young players and you have a team that has developed a ton of young players in the league. I mean, just look at the MVP race right now. Uh, it's all Thunder developed players. <laughs> um, so I think that they, that they are going to count on that and um, hope that maybe a superstar can fall in their lap or hope that Adams can develop further or uh, Oladipo or Sabonis. They want to develop those guys. And the timelines don't match up perfectly like they did with Durant, Ibaka, and Westbrook. But um, that's not how all teams are built, and that's not how all champions are made. And I don't know that the Thunder can win a championship in the next five years, but um, they have significant talent. Even with the absence of Durant, like they have, still have significant talent, and um, it's a testament to what Sam Presti has done that they're in the position that they are today after losing, you know, the second best player in the world. So, no, 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 no. He he, he needs to be fired because they didn't win a title. Andrew, you're <laughs> yeah. saying it wrong. <laughs> My bad. That was- because it was all it was all his fault. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, it was all Sam Presti's fault the reason why this team doesn't have a title i'm just i'm just relaying um you know what i've heard did you know that sam presti is also named patrick beverly that's right yep and (laughs) before person before game six of the western conference finals last year he was like hey kevin try shooting 10 for 31 let's see if we can win that way yeah kevin only take contested shots in the mid-range and see how that feels Turn it over four times in the last few minutes of the game, and let, let, let's make this like a thriller and yeah. see how that works. Pulled on to Robertson to the side. Robertson, I need you to get in foul trouble. Yeah. I need you to do that for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I know. And I, I mean, again, my view of it is different. There are some people that is championship or bust. Sure. Um, to me, I, I just keep going back and looking being being this kind of a team is nothing to you know shake your head at. I mean, Oklahoma City was a championship contender for several years. It was a great ride. No team stays there forever. Yeah. No team. Even San Antonio between 2008 and 2013 was just an average NBA team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and that was not a bad ride to be on during that time. So um, they're still winning. They're still successful. Um, everyone that thinks that they should have gone, quote, unquote, all in, um, I don't know. Would you be turning in right now to watch a Miami Heat like team that is 11 and something and just trudging through the season trying to get a lottery pick? Um, so if you know they've got they've got their superstar, that much is done. They've got a lot of young developing guys. I don't know how good Demontis Sabonis is going to turn out to be, but if we were talking about James Harden in 2009, how would we be talking about him? Um, yeah. maybe maybe a 15 point per game score someday i, I could kind of see that sure <laughs> you know russell westbrook was like 16 points a game in his second year did anyone think that what we're seeing now was possible so um i i have seen i've seen articles written just gloom and doom the the thunder are doomed to mediocrity are you okay with that and, and i just don't understand it because like you said either there's the possibility of talent developing from within or there's guys out there that teams don't realize what they have. And right. sometimes you can pounce on one of those and it can make a big difference. And I think Cantor is becoming one of those guys for the thunder. I don't know that Cantor, I mean, a lot of people would argue that he's not like a quote unquote championship level 
player or starter or whatever. I don't know. He's been incredible. And the fact that the Thunder have put a ton of trust in him and that he trusts the Thunder organization. I mean, he was playing 18 minutes a game to start the season. And he wasn't complaining about it. He just continued to develop his game and he continued to work. And it's really paying off right now for him. Uh, he finished that game against the Kings, and I know Boogie didn't seem just terribly interested in winning that game, game last night. But the defense that Cantor played last night was really, really good. Uh, there was one play in particular, and Fred Katz already mentioned it on his podcast, but it surprised me as well. Uh, when Cantor turned away Darren Collison from the rim, uh, Collison yeah. was driving on him, and he completely turned him away. And it was just a really strange thing to watch because Cantor moved his feet well. He positioned himself very well. And it, it looked like it was going to be another play where someone got right to the rim around him, but he didn't let it happen. Uh, he's improved as a, as a defender. We've already talked about his passing a ton. Um, he's, he's really good. And I, and I don't know that he's like a cornerstone piece for the Thunder, but he's made it really hard for them to trade him Uh and he's also made himself more attractive to other teams uh, if the Thunder were to try to get a, you know, a superstar that wants to change places. He's, he's, not, he's not a piece anymore that, that teams look at and say, well, I don't think we can do anything with this guy because he's, he's looking like a starting-level center. And mm-hmm. if he continues to get better on defense, then that's good. I was talking to my friend Mikey Barra earlier today, and he mentioned – Cantor missed an entire year of development um, in college because he didn't play at all. Um, yeah, there was one year where he had to sit out completely. Yes, he didn't play basketball, and that's that's huge to a player's development. And then he gets to Utah and is learning behind like Al Jefferson, and that, that's not really the best guy to learn defense from. Uh, And then he gets to OKC, and the learning curve is steep, and he is trying to learn from Steve Adams, but he's also like a younger player than him, and the coaching staff just needed some time, and it's starting to really pay off. So I I think if – I don't know. I think some of these guys need to wait it out a little bit. I think Russ, you know, he'll be in his prime for probably another three or four years, and, you know, things change a lot in the NBA in, you know, just two years. Um, oh yeah. Let's let's just wait and see. I don't know what the exact plan is, but I think that they've got enough pieces in place to to make a run at something. I don't know if they can run a title, but I think Western Conference Finals in the next few years is like not out of the question. Well, they've got flexibility. Stick with you know. I, I mentioned the plan at the start of this question. You know, stick with that and let it do its thing. Or if the right you know if the right guy comes on the market and you got the right pieces and you can make that. You know, I, the Pal Gasol trade. Sure. If you're in position to do that, um, you know, there you go. So, yeah, and I don't think that Sam was just going to like. Well, we need to get guys that are on the same timeline as Russ. Let's just throw these guys on the market and see what we can get. It's like, I mean, you're not guaranteed to be any better than you are today. Right. And and still and also too, Russ's future with the Thunder is still a little bit up in the air too. Sure. And you can't just I mean, trade rust because you have all these young pieces either. Because you're not, I mean, you're not guaranteed to get anything back that's even close to the level that he is. I think right. you, just, you just hold on. If you have a superstar, you hold on to him, and then you try to make it work around him. That's why I don't, I don't understand the bull shopping Butler because, mm-hmm. I, because it, it makes no sense. I think that you just move the pieces around him. 
Uh, same because with Paul, they've made same a bunch Paul of George. Yeah, they've made a bunch of bad decisions around Jimmy Butler. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, same thing with New York and Carmelo Anthony. You've now you've made a bunch of stupid decisions there, and now they really need to turn their focus to Porzingis. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of build the team around him. So, um, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. If you've got if you've got one or two superstars on your team, you know, you, you ride that out. It's what the Clippers should do, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Ride it out until, you know, just the wheels come off. Yeah. If they if they if they want to stay, you, you have to keep them. You have to keep trying. Because, yep. um, I mean, you look at teams like the Nets and you even look at, I mean, the Celtics are better, but like, Man, like it takes a long time to rebuild a team, and it doesn't always happen. Like, look at the Magic. I mean, the Magic had yeah. all these draft picks year after year after year. It looked really fun, really promising, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, we got to win." And now they're just like spinning their wheels. They're, I mean, I, I don't know who in their front office is going to still have a job after this season. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been a disaster, and there's just nothing promised to you. I know Sam Presti did a fa- fantastic job. Um, whenever he had all those lotto picks, but not every lottery has a Kevin Durant, a Russell Westbrook and a James Harden back to back to back. Um, right. So it's, yeah. Ask, he, ask Cleveland about that. Yeah. You just, you take what's guaranteed. And if you can keep Russ, that's what you do. Yeah. Okay. Next question from Aqualad underscore. Do you think the Thunder will make any deadline trades? And the second part is, should they? Uh, do I think they will? I, I still think they will. Um, should they? Probably. Um, now, I mean, I, it, as as we just kind of discussed there, I don't think they're going to make any, you know, uh, what 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 am I thinking of? Short like term or short sighted? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're not going to do anything like that. I don't. I, I they really haven't before, so I don't know if they're going to start doing it now. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this on a lot of pods before that if uh, if the right star comes on the market and they can get him, great. Or if another young piece on a controllable contract is available that they like, yeah, I think they'll go and get that as well. Yeah, I think the two biggest names on the Thunder, and these aren't big names, is Cameron Payne and Andre Robertson. I think those are the two biggest pieces that could be moved mm-hmm. um, at the trade deadline. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Thunder, I'd just rather hang on to – Paying for the draft because there's going to be some teams that are going to need a point guard in the draft, and if you can offer your 20th pick and Cameron Payne for the 11th pick or the 10th pick or whatever, uh, there's teams that might do that where they can get you know a a quality piece and Cameron Payne. And the Thunder can move up and get you know a good wing that they've always needed. The Kings might do that. Yeah, the Kings, the Bulls. Yep. I mean, there's 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 some teams. I mean, the Knicks. I don't. The Knicks don't have their pick, do they? Uh, They probably don't. I'm just. I'm going to assume by (laughs) actually. I think actually. I think they do. I think I'm pretty sure they do this year. Um, The Knicks might not for long. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's teams. There's teams that. um, And there's a lot of good point guards in this draft too. Granted. but if it gets to like the eleventh pick and there's no any elite that you know guys like, then they may take a chance on paying in the twentieth pick um, yeah. in order to in order to move out. Uh, do they make any trades at the deadline? I think that they. I think you're right that they're going to do something. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know how, how significant it is. I think they'd like to get their hands on a shooter on the wing. I still, I mean, we just keep saying these names like forever. It feels like, but Gallinari and Chandler, uh, mm-hmm. the Nuggets, they just make no sense. They don't have enough minutes for all these guys. And if I'm them, I just completely go with the young core because their young core seems to be really good. And the only way to develop them is to play them. And what are you you're going to play for the eighth seed so you can get killed by the Warriors? Like, I, I don't know. I'd rather trade Gallinari and Chandler and get assets, whether it's picks or a young prospect. or I mean, they really need a wing defender. Like, they don't have really any guy on the wing that can defend. That's why I think that Robertson yeah. or Grant are good options. Um, and that's probably, like, where the trade starts is, you know, Robertson – pain and whatever filler for Gallinari I think makes a lot of sense for both teams um, I don't know they give up quite that much for Chandler but um, having a guy that can shoot on the wing uh, and then you can play you know Jeremy Grant next to him next to next to Gallo or next to Chandler um, man like I think this team that would open up a ton for this team I still think that they're probably a second round ceiling but uh, if they feel like they can keep Gallinari or, you know, they have Chandler on for another season and you don't give up just crazy significant assets and you keep your pick. And I mean, that, that still really helps the Thunder, keeps them on the timeline and it gives Russ um, another guy to run with. So I think one of those guys makes a ton of sense for OKC. And you know, the other thing I would mention, too, is think back to this time last year. What were people expecting the Thunder ceiling to be? Second round exit? It's true. Yeah, you know, they had a lot better talent last year, but it's true. I, but even but even with that better talent, people were like, "Oh, there's there's no getting by San Antonio. There's no getting by Golden mm-hmm. State. They got by one and almost got by the other." So that's true. Um, there's a lot of time to grow here. Um, that doesn't mean that I expect them to make the Western Conference Finals. I'm just saying, you know, we all tend to make assumptions at a certain point, and 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 there's a lot. Uh, of the unknown still on to unfold here that's true because uh, i mean last season okc couldn't beat san antonio in the regular season and it looked kind of ho- it looked kind of hopeless heading into the playoffs um yep. and things change uh, yep then so. david west got about 100 years older um <laughs> yeah which is why yeah i'm like okay golden state yeah good good luck relying on that guy you know we'll, yeah we'll see what happens come playoff they're using him fewer minutes this season but still um Anyway, that, that again, like I say, there's a lot of things we make a lot of assumptions right now, and who knows how it's actually going to unfold, and and maybe nothing drastic needs to happen uh, to to see something completely different unfold of what you're thinking. Yeah, I think if they can get Chandler Gallo on the cheap without having to give up anything outside of Robertson or Payne, then I think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's going to cost like Sabonis or something like that, I just think you just you wait it out. You don't make any significant so. deals, and then you you know wait and see what you can do with the draft. Because I, I don't know. There's a they've said that there's the guys at the vertical have said that there's going to be a lot more sellers than buyers um, on the trade market. So that'll make things kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll wonder if teams will end up having to sell low on some some of their players or prospects or whatever. But again, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. If I'm if I'm Denver, I'm just trying to get whatever I can for those guys and move on, and you let your young guys play as much as they can. Yep. Um, from I am Dr. Dre, is there anyone on the market that can help this team more than just developing our young players? Should we really be trying to win now? 
we kind of answered this question um, just before this one, but I think I don't think the Thunder are like trying to quote unquote win now. I just think that they have enough talent to you know be a a fine team this season, and if you can grab another shooter, uh, I think that that will actually help the development of players. I really like Andre Robertson a lot, but I just kind of question what what kind of fit he is going forward um, if he is going to play on the wing with Russell Westbrook. Because uh, I, I don't know, I think this team has a particular, they have a ceiling with him as, you know, their their wing player and him not improving as a shooter. And we're going to answer this question here in a little bit, but um, I like him a lot and I think he's, he deserves to be all defense this year. He's maybe the first or second best wing defender. Um, but I don't know. I, there's just I still have a lot of questions about him and, and how he fits with the core and how much do you pay him. And, um, man, I don't know. I just wonder what this team would look like if they had, like, a starting caliber wing that could also shoot. Like, if you, had, you replaced Gallinari with um, – you replace Robertson with Gallinari today. Like, how much better are the Thunder? Um, I think that they're worse on defense, but then, like, how much better is their offense? I mean, I think yeah. significantly better. And you just look at the Rockets, and they're making it work with, with several poor defenders. Um, they're just killing teams, and they have all the space in the world to operate to do exactly what they want to do. And I just wonder if Robertson kind of halts some of that. And I'm a huge Roger well, Robertson fan, but I just wonder how much he halts it. Uh, I mean, that, there's something to be said for that, um, you know, because looking at basketball reference this morning, I think uh, Oklahoma City is eighth in defensive rating, 13th in offense. So that's the kind of trade-off you know, you're looking at there. Mm-hmm. Can this team sacrifice some defense to get some offense in that could really open things up? And, yeah, you're not going to have that, you know, if, if you traded Robertson, you're not going to have the guy that you can throw at James Harden and frustrate him. And, you know, you'll have to make other adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting. I, I think back to, you know, where the Thunder team was pre-Kendrick Perkins. Sure. You know, they, making that trade was sacrificing offense for defense. And, you know, that put, that kind of started to unlock things by putting Ibaka in the starting lineup, and they became a defensive-minded team, and, and that kind of uh, got things going. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about Robertson's future? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. It it seems like, you know, when when they didn't agree to an extension, um, you know, that was the first. I I wouldn't say nail in the coffin, but first indication that you know this this may not be a long term pairing here. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and and yeah, I mean, I'm with you as well. I mean, I I think Robertson does. I spend more time having to defend him and his presence on the (laughs) roster than I should have to. (laughs) <laughs> he's good. Like he's really good. Um, yeah, he let's go ahead and ask this question from PMCKZ. Robertson's shooting is no better than last year. Could this be as good as it gets? If so, is it fair to say that Robertson probably isn't good enough to play starters minutes on a championship team? What contract will Presti offer slash match? Um, I think the championship stuff is th- those questions are really hard because I think on a specific championship team. I mean, the Thunder, like the margin that the Thunder were away from being a championship team last year was razor thin. I mean, it, and it was, wasn't Andre Robertson's fault. No. And in, in fact, had Andre Robertson been able to play starters minutes in game six, I 
believe that the Thunder would have been in the championship and maybe even won it. So I don't, I don't think, I don't want to take anything away from him, but it's, it takes a specific circumstance for him to play. And it was that, like, basically him playing the center on offense um, that mm-hmm. really worked and unlocked a lot of things. You can put Ibaka on the perimeter. You have Duran on the perimeter. You have Dion out there. And then you had Robertson that was basically the role man. And that worked really well. And he sets pretty good picks. He's not as big as, as you would you know hope that he would be or think that he should be. But um, And then he's able to defend on the other end whatever position you want him to. Like, that was great. Uh, but then whenever you have him and you don't have a Bach anymore and you have him and Adams, then you have Sabonis, who's this developing young player. And then you have Oladipo, who has gravity but not like – um, you know, significant gravity that a lot of the elite shooters do. Uh, it's just kind of, it's taken a while for them to find things that work. Um, so I think in the right circumstance, absolutely, he could be, you know, a starter on a championship team. But on this particular team, uh, first of all, I don't think they're going to win the championship. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it's tough because I do think that he's probably. I don't know this for sure, but he's probably close to what his ceiling is as a shooter. He's just not he, – he's got a guy that's going to hit 30% of his threes uh, and be pretty decent in transition. And uh, I know he works tirelessly, but I think a lot of this is mental for him. And he – a lot of times when you have you know problems like that, they just don't get fixed. And it's pretty – it's actually pretty rare that they do. Well, and, and maybe it's maybe it's just that he – he's just not going to be, I mean, he'd like, he's just, he doesn't have the, uh, the, the ability to become an excellent shooter. I mean, that's, that's like asking, uh, I, I don't know, Andre Drummond to become an elite three point shooter. Yeah. You know, maybe he's shooter, just like a decent free throw shooter. Right. I mean, it's like you mentally know? like Shaq couldn't shoot free throws and he hit 70% in practice, but then he went and got into the games. Like he couldn't hit above 50%. Yeah. So, um, but you know, like you, you mentioned, everything's a tireless worker. We we know that he works at that. The shooting percentage is down this season. I would have to look at, you know, some different splits from last season to this season. Uh, you know, to pin down where some of the issues are at. Um, obviously, it's not you know because uh, there's no spacing. Because whenever he gets the ball, there's all the space he wants. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's just not falling. Right. Um, this is a hard question about his contract. What What do you think he'll get, um, and what if the Thunder do end up going into restricted free agency with him? What What do they match to bring him back? And I'm, I, I think it would be. I mean, at this point, we don't know what the team's going to look like come July, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to have a big impact. I mean, if they make some other moves and Robertson is still on the team, um, you know, there could be a situation where where they say we're going to let Robertson go and turn this over to Grant. Um, mm-hmm. Just as an example, um, sure. I think I think trying to answer that right now is is virtually impossible. I'm not you know I'm not trying to duck the question. It, it, it's a good question, but I'm I'm just saying that uh, there, there's a lot of variables in there right now. We would just be throwing darts. Yes, um, Ben Gulliver was on the pod last week, and he thought that he would get like starter level money, which is like 15 million a year. Mm-hmm. It's like starter level money. Unless he was willing to, yeah, I mean, unless he was willing to, you know, sacrifice some of that, which he may be. Yeah. That's just a lot to commit to him. Um, 
when you have a, a team that's run around a dynamic scoring point guard who needs space to operate, it's just a lot to invest in a guy who can't shoot. Um, but on the other side of the coin, he's, you know, elite on defense. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. it's just incredibly difficult decision to make, and I don't envy Sam Presti in making it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have a lot better uh, a lot better idea on this come July. Yeah. Um, from the second, and not only, who is holding the roster back? What players of ours do you see becoming good or great players? Who is holding the roster back? I don't know. I don't know that there's. I mean, I think the easy answer in the past is like Ennis Cantor's holding the roster back because he can't play any defense. But I just don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Kyle Singler being a wasted <laughs> space as a basketball player has held the roster back some because he was supposed to be the wing shooter uh, yeah. the Thunder would need. And, you know, perhaps even the starter this year, if he turned out the way that they thought, you know, 40% mm-hmm. from three um, and a passable defender, but he's not either one of those. Um, like holding the roster back, I don't know. That's kind of a tough question. I mean, again, this is this is the second youngest roster in the NBA behind Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And that includes 36 year old Nick Collison and 31 year old uh, Anthony Morrow. So um, if there's anything holding the roster back, it's it's just the fact that they're young. And so, um, yeah, a lot of these guys really interested to see what they look like in a few years, uh, you know, asking about which of our players do you see becoming good or great players? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it, like I mentioned earlier, I, I couldn't have told you in 2009 that James Harden was going to be an MVP type guy. Mm-hmm. This sort of, you know, overweight, pudgy, um, <laughs> you know, um, those things are difficult. Yeah. Um, I, there's certainly guys on here that I think have a lot more room to grow. Um, and, and yeah, I think Steven Adams, if you, if you compare him to Deandre Jordan, I think there's certainly a lot of room on that growth curve. Mm-hmm. Um, Oladipo has become better in some aspects since he came to Oklahoma city playing with Russ. Um, you know, that could continue. I think Sabonis is going to be really good. I think Abrinas has a chance to be really good. Um, so now are, are they going to be great? I, I honestly don't know, but I mean this, it's not like you're looking at this team right now and saying, well, if you keep them together, they're always going to be a 47 win team. No, they're, they're going to get better. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Completely agree. I think of the guys who can be great. I think the only two that I would pinpoint are Adams and Sabonis outside of Russ, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are like your two, like great guys. Um, I think Sabonis can be really, really good. I think he can be Kevin Love-esque and the fact that he can rebound, pass, shoot from anywhere on the floor, uh, has a little bit of a post game. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him and, and what he can do. He's only 20 years old. Uh, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's a has the mentality of you know a, a Thunder guy that's really willing to do whatever the team needs him to do. I think guys that can be good. I think Vic can be really good. I think Abrinas, like you said. And then I think Jeremy Grant can be really good. Uh, mm-hmm. He's still super young. He gets to the Thunder, still at age 22. There's a lot of development to be done with him. Um, I think Ennis Cantor's already really good. I don't know if he can be great. Because if he's great, then uh, he probably needs to go start somewhere. I don't know if that <laughs> happens above Adams. Uh, but I think he's really good. I think Andre Robertson's really good. 
I don't know where I stand on Cameron Payne. I think he, I think Cameron Payne is a good backup, but I don't I don't know how how good or great he can be. And you know it's tough because he's only had five games coming back. Um, I mean, this season I think is almost going to be kind of a lost season for him in terms of you know like like how we perceive him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back to Reggie Jackson's rookie season where he looked overwhelmed and didn't sure. have any. You know, he didn't have the benefit of summer league or training camp, and then he was injured and then forced into duty and didn't look good at all that season and, you know, slowly and surely became better. Um, I, I still think Cam can develop into a pretty good NBA player. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Joffrey, I, I don't know. I feel like Joffrey were about at the point where this is what you're going to get Yeah, with him. He's, I like him. Uh, I just, honestly, I don't know what position he should play. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't love him. I hate, actually don't like him at all next to Cantor. I don't think right. it's a good match. Um, I don't love it when he's the center. I don't know. I, I think that he's a good floor spacing big, and he's—I mean—he's just a fourth or fifth big on a team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's skilled. He can pass. He can shoot. Um, but I just don't know if he's ever going to be the level of defender that people or that a team would need him to be. Um, let's see. From Balora Strike, what seed will the Thunder need to rise to in order to get Russ to the MVP? Do they have do they have to be above Houston uh, due to how well Harden is playing? Uh, yeah, again, there's I, I think there's other moving parts there. What what do Russ's stats look like at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see Oklahoma City getting in the in the top four. They're not passing just Houston. Don't. No, and then so the the next target is the Clippers, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't analyzed the Clippers schedule, you know, going forward. But um, you know, it seems like the top four are going to be the four that they are right now: Golden State, San Antonio, Houston, Clippers, and some order. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Oklahoma City can get the five seed. Maybe they can overtake Utah. But if they're the five and Russ is averaging a triple double. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to sway enough people uh, against Harden, especially you know if Houston's winning sixty games and he's doing what he's doing this season. So I don't know. Um, at this point, and we're still again halfway through the season, it almost seems like it's Harden's to lose. Yeah, I agree. I wish I didn't agree, but I do. <laughs> I yeah, think if the I mean, Thunder can get fifty wins, then I think that changes the conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, th- that's it would take really something tough. like that. It would it would take that, uh, yeah, winning fifty, and, and I, I don't know if they can do it. I mean, that's that's my thing. So, but yeah, yeah if if they win fifty, if they get into the top four, then yeah, that could very well sway a lot of people, uh, you know, towards uh, towards Russ. But yeah, I don't know. It seems like an uphill battle. The end of February, I think things will be a lot more clear because we'll be through this. Uh, treacherous January road schedule and then the Thunder have a real opportunity to rip off some wins in February because they only have two road games Um, Mm -hmm. so if they can get on a roll and beat a bunch of these teams there's some tough games in here but there's really only two tough games that I feel like they just wouldn't win they have Chicago Memphis Portland Indiana they have a chance in all those games 
Then they play Cleveland and Golden State. Like, come on, league, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. they have Washington, New York, the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Jazz. Like, they can, they should win. They should come out, you know, losing no more than, like, four games. Um, yeah. With the level of talent they have. And, of course, they're going to have some maddening games that they will lose, and they may lose five of those games. But <laughs> they have a real opportunity to, uh, you know, to gain some ground and to – you know, press 50 games um, if they can finish out this month, you know, with an unembarrassing fashion and then win a bunch in February, that's their opportunity. And then, yeah, if they, you know, if they could possibly, you know, the, in, in March, if they can catch teams that have basically taken the season off and, you know, catch a few more wins there. But I, I don't know. Like I say, it seems like an uphill battle. Yeah, for sure. Um, from pig underscore says underscore woo. What do you think the possibility of Russ? What do you think of the possibility of Russ playing in OKC for his whole career, or at least the prime of his career? Is it too early to try and guess potential suitors down the line? What is a reasonable return for Russ? Should we sign up? Should we sign him up but have to trade him in three or four years because of underperformance? Um, <clears throat> that's a tough one. Basically, is Russ going to stay his whole career? And if the Thunder did trade him, what could they get? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. We all thought another guy was going to stay here his entire career. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not one to make those predictions anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just after, after listening to, to a lot of podcasts, getting some national insight, I mean, it's a lot of stuff like, yeah, I, I should have taken a lot of that into account. I mean, yeah. Brian Windhorse has talked about this on a couple of podcasts, speculate all you want, but until July 1st comes around, yeah. You just never know. You don't. Uh, so, you know, we think Russ right now we're thinking, sure, he'd want to spend his career here. If we get to July 1st and Oklahoma City hands him a five-year extension and he says no, well. Then they turn around <laughs> and they trade him. I mean, they yeah, they do. They have to. And that's a good thing uh, about this new CBA is that they're going to have an opportunity to trade him if he gives them a signal. Um, that was the problem with Durant is that the Thunder just had to risk it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really unfortunate, but the, they're going to have an opportunity this time around to offer him every, everything he could want financially, um, have his own team, uh, you know, tell him you're still in the MVP conversation. You know, we are in the playoffs. We are improving. You have all these young guys who are going to get better. We have flexibility to make trades. Like they have a lot to offer him, but if he does say no, then I think, and this is what we discussed before the season, like the first calls they make are to probably Boston and to the Lakers mm-hmm. uh, for their young pieces and say, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Larry Nance. Um, and if they have their top three pick, they say, we'll take your top three pick too. Um, whoever that was. Does that one, does that go to Philadelphia this year? It does. If it's not in the top three. It's top that's what I thought again. So if they end up that's, in the top three, then they keep it. That's what I thought. Um, Philadelphia is another team yeah. that, um, you know, maybe willing to take that kind of a risk. Um, in, in other, I, I can't tell you exactly, you know, uh, what they could get this summer. They, they should be able to get a lot oh, if, if it came down to that. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the reason we'll return from Russia? Should we sign them, but have to trade them in three or four years? I, I, I that, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, that's where you that's where you just ride it out. Underperformance, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that 
again, if you have a superstar and they want to stay, you just hang on to them. I mean, just look yeah. the the Mavs are the are the example, you know. Right. Like you just don't know what can happen, and not not every superstar because they stay are going to be rewarded with the championship. Like Reggie Miller never got that. Um, right. But you just hang on to them and you enjoy the success that you do have. I mean, Reggie Miller had a ton of success in Indiana. He never won a championship, but he he had a ton of success. And you know, sometimes that just has to be good enough. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's see. We have two more questions. Um, uh, we've kind of already answered this question about the potential of young players. Um, so we'll go to the last one. Uh, here's one for everyone for John Hamm or Fred Katz. We're having Fred Katz on the podcast tomorrow. Just FYI, everybody's been asking about him coming on our pod, and he's coming on tomorrow. Um, what was the worst or most awkward press interview with a player that you've ever been a part of? Uh, Fred will have a lot more experience with this than I will. Um, and I, I, I've never I've never had a one-on-one you know, with, with a coach or a player. Um, the most awkward one that I can think of obviously involves Greg Popovich. Um, and it was in Oklahoma City last year during the conference semifinals. Um, and I'm, my, my memory is a little vague. I'm pretty sure it was the last game of the series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, all the media is, is, is in the room. We're just kind of chit-chatting. And then Pop walks in and sit down. And you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> and... Like no one asked a question. There was this awkward silence where Pop's kind of looking around like, anyone going to ask me anything? And (laughs) finally some questions came and very curt responses were given. Um, And then I want to say it's Sam Amick, but it could be someone else from USA Today, tried to ask Pop. He was essentially trying to say, is this Tim Duncan's last professional basketball game? Mm-hmm. But he was asking it in in trying to dance around it like, you know, how do you feel or you know, how does this team feel like knowing that this could potentially and, and, and pop just because it wasn't a straightforward question, just took it like, I don't know what you're asking. What are you trying to ask me? <laughs> does anyone know? Can anyone help me out here? I honestly don't know what this guy's asking. (laughs) Like I say, leave it to pop to make it awkward, but that that would be every other one, you know, that, that I've been in, I've I've never walked out and went, Oh my God, that was weird. But that one was, that one was something. Um, Everybody kind of knows this already, but the most weird thing, and I haven't been in like hardly any press sessions ever. Um, but I like to go and record the um, media day stuff for the podcast, just because people have general interest in that kind of stuff. Um, and I asked Kostinger to justify his play from last year. <laughs> it wasn't what I intended to ask, but it was the only words that could come out of my mouth. And yeah. at the time, I kind of regretted it, but uh, I still I, I feel like he needs – I might ask him the same question if he's in <laughs> media day for next year. How do you justify yourself, Kyle? Yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> so that was That's it great. felt super awkward as it was like coming out of my mouth i was like i was like almost like watching the words like go toward his ears just like no it's <laughs> not what i meant to say <laughs> unsend unsend yeah, yeah. um well that was super awkward yeah. um Thank you, Reddit, uh, Thunder Community, for the questions. I thought those were really good, really interesting. We'll do some more of these. Um, and feel free to you know message us on Reddit or follow us on Twitter at DTD Podcast and ask us questions there. But 
Uh, Reddit allows us to have more kind of in-depth questions. But thanks for coming on our podcast today, John. We'll follow you on Twitter at John M. Ham. We will read you on Bleacher Report. We will listen to you on the franchise here locally. Uh, the Thunder play the Clippers tonight, and they play the Warriors um, on Wednesday. Uh, I'm very nervous about both games. <laughs> um, but uh, enjoy the basketball. Go get some Anchor Down. Go get your corn dog or some pizza tots and have a great day. Oh, <laughs> my